Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on BeExposedRadio.com. I'm here, host Nate. That's kind of weird because I just realized we got on the same shirt. That's kind of weird. We didn't plan this. It's just how it's it's happening in the world today. Uh, But I am here. I have my guest co-host here with me today. Um, And myself and uh, Curtis will be doing a series of conversations around, I don't want to just say men's stories, uh, but our topic today, his story, um, it is anything attached to some of the struggles that it, it, we have as black men, um, both uh, man-made and self-made and naturally, uh, natural occurrences. But I just wanted to get a lot of things that's been going on in my mind. And I met this gentleman um, and I am really interested in like picking his brain and him picking mine and, and just seeing what <laughs> what falls out on the table and how we can help uh, each other kind of talk through some things and just, you know, get through some of the things of life that we are finding ourselves in. Um, I wanted to briefly talk about, well, today I got to watch the entire Louis Farrakhan um, speech and it, it it was so poignant to me because it took a man of his age to mm-hmm. be so honest. And you saw mm-hmm. a lot of the things that he'd been preaching against. He's mm-hmm. now speaking about it in a level of comfort that he at one time where he was trying to keep his seat as a leader um, mm-hmm. or felt like he was trying to had to keep his seat as a leader. He's now speaking in a way that probably threw a lot of those people who were watching it that are mm-hmm. starch supporters of his. Um, mm-hmm. uh, probably threw a lot of them off. I know it threw me off. The first time I ever heard him say God, or uh, it threw me off because I just didn't know that people of the uh, Islam faith uh, even use that word. So mm-hmm. I, it just threw me off. And that was years ago. So this right here, it was mm-hmm. three hours, over three hours. It threw me off. And simul- not simultaneously, but right after that, mm-hmm. I watched the 12-minute uh, Red Table Talk of uh, Will and Jada. And I'll talk more about Louis Farrakhan at a later time, but the Will and Jada, I, what I got from it, all the negativity that they're getting, I think it is a reflection of what many of us desire. We desired um, something most of us did not get. Most of us don't know what unconditional love is. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us don't know what transparency is. Most mm-hmm. of us don't know what this is my business. And you have nothing to do with it. Um, and I think a lot of the disdain that we have or people have, because I don't personally have that towards them, that have that towards that couple, that relationship that none of us know personally mm-hmm. um, is really the negativity is really the things that we are lacking. The things mm-hmm. we wish our parents were, the things we wish we now are. Many of us are at the age of being able to be parents now from a different mm-hmm. perspective. And mm-hmm. we all wish we had those things. And the one thing mm-hmm. that she said uh, in that 12-minute conversation was, you cannot find happiness outside of yourself. No matter how hard you look, no matter how mm-hmm. much you search for it, you cannot find happiness outside of yourself. And I Mm-hmm. I guess what she, what I got from their conversations and the things I've heard from her, this has been her journey in life. Mm-hmm. And connecting Jada 
and Will was born in Philly, so Philly's a little bit like Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a disorder here. We're mm-hmm. always in search of who we really are. Mm-hmm. We never take a look in the mirror to realize, well, it's that person right there. Mm-hmm. Add on things and decorate, but who you are is who you are. It's, it's right in front of you, and we mm-hmm. try to find that type of uh, happiness and that type of fulfillment always outside of ourselves, mm-hmm. never looking at ourselves. Right. But uh, and do you have any thoughts on that before we kind of go into? I, actually, I do. Um, I think that's one of the biggest contributors to mental illness undiagnosed Mm -hmm. is, um, desire. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now desire can take many forms. I'm not just speaking, you know, Mm -hmm. desire of material things, but desire of, like you said, some people who may have grown up in a home without a father, may desire a father. From mm-hmm. that desire, other, you know, if that desire is something where, uh, you know, it becomes a void that you need filled, other, it leads you know, to other things. Um, so when, it, particularly dissatisfaction, unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm those types of, you know what I'm saying? And they can go on and on and just snowballs. So those of us who are less fortunate as far as experiences, wealth, um, and, and, and it may, even with that statement being true that people, um, are misdirecting their energy toward this couple because of their success or what people think they have that they Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, in spite of how they got it. People don't know the sacrifices it took to get that. Who's to say that their world was always heaven? Who's to say you, you're built to even handle that? So that's why desire is so dangerous because you can live your life in a permanent state of dissatisfaction when you're coveting, you yeah. know? That's what that principle is. You know, you're coveting something. And uh, anybody who knows how school for the arts is, if you don't, if your life is not about that school, if she, you don't have a social life. Nope. When your you're social in the arts life in general. Your classmates, yep. the arts in general. So the thing is, it's a reason why she was connected to a Tupac because their life was about their craft. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And people who are artists, I have to say it, we do live a different type of life than most people who are trapped, so to speak, yeah. in the in the mind matrix would understand you're not putting you know we get to we we're people who haven't had our imagination killed you know and and most people have had their imaginations killed and only thing that they do know is what you know i see real housewives i want what they have or what i think they have i see love and hip-hop i want what they have or what i think they have look at how people are living right now who have gotten who they're worth has actually been somewhat fulfilled in this small little moment with mm. the unemployment checks or the stem. look at look at how people are living. Like their mm. first instinct is to get fresh or to live beyond or live out mm. a certain desire or lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um I was I was in a dialogue on uh Facebook with a, a one of my music partners. Shout out to Ali Rosso. Um, mm-hmm. 
and he was saying something about uh, a conversation came up about narcissism. But I'm going to tie that into this. I was saying that, here we go. I said, the reason Beyonce is as wealthy as she is, is because a lot of women live vicariously through her. She possesses what they think that she has over men, which is the power of seduction, the power of the strong ability to get men to submit to her. Mm -hmm. She represents that. And all women have that side of them where they want to, you know, escape the the patriarchy or whatever, you know, all of these things, you know, and I'm not making light of it, but it's it's very true. It's it's what it is. And she's, she's a woman who understands that, but look what background she comes from. She understood, she had a father in her life, Mm -hmm. just like Venus and Serena had a father in their life. That that doesn't, that doesn't escape you from, from the pitfalls that we make. Right. There's always a a idea of getting back up and and how to get back up. Right. uh, When you have that balance. Your work ethic your work ethic and your willpower has to push you through mm-hmm. these right. types of things, especially if you're going to stay in art, you know? So mm-hmm. Will and Jada are not your normal, <laughs> trust me, even watching the interview, a lot of people, they're going to get even more hate because they, they can't even understand what you and I just explained mm-hmm. right there. They, they don't understand. People in the world of art are always going to be the most famous, the most wealthiest people on the planet uh, as far as what we would call uh, individual wealth outside of corporate, you know. Right, right, you right. Know? So it's just, it's just interesting. I watched it, but I also, I often like to look at the comment when stuff like this is happening because nobody believe, nobody can believe that somebody from a place like a Baltimore or a Philly could, mm. could obtain that level of unconditional love. Mm. Everybody was waiting for Jada to say, well, we're getting divorced now. Mm-hmm. Everybody was waiting for Will to make a face or combat anything that she was saying or be mm-hmm. angry, call out her name, her mm-hmm. blame him. And we didn't mm-hmm. see any of that. And they mm-hmm. may have done that behind the scenes, got that stuff out before mm-hmm. they came on and were able to clearly speak on it. But none right. of us, most of us, even the ones that, that had a, a mom and dad in the house, Mm-hmm. That, that level of unconditional love that wasn't attached to how much someone was making or what someone could do for you or how mm-hmm. far from where you came somebody can take you from none mm-hmm. of us beyond that we've never seen that level of unconditional love before most of the people I know right, right. I know. because they, we're living in, in a different uh, type of reality right you know um, Money does change. It causes problems, but it can most certainly change situations. Amen. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like it will, it will, it can definitely put you as Dave Chappelle. You know what I'm saying? Now, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, just a, I've lived on a farm before. I know how peaceful mm-hmm. it is to, to to walk outside. You're not 
you know, to not have all of these city lights and different things distracting you from what the sky looks like. So but you had to, at some point or in some way, desire that level of peace. Many absolutely. People don't. Absolutely. Many people don't. And I think it's hard to attain that if you if you're not a person who lives in the world of art, because what I call the beast world, you know, that constant routine that is established for you to play a role in society while mm-hmm. having to suppress your creativity. Yep. yep. I think it is the most psychically damaging thing to humanity. I honestly mm-hmm. think. Uh, I feel sorry for people who don't have that, who can't sit down at a piano or get on a stage and they don't, you you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not against shrooms, but my God, if you can't escape into something else, geez, you might as well go for it. (laughs) But in, and, and that's, that's something that, and actually brought about this level of conversation that I, uh, that you and I have, Will have started, um, and it's my my desire to be as close to my most authentic self as I possibly mm. can be, without mm. fear of ridicule or judgment or uh, shame. Mm. And as we uh, <laughs> that just jumped out my head. So mm. as we move on to this conversation, shame is actually that connecting part that will get us there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe a year or two into me doing this show, I had a young lady on uh, my program from California. She was actually in California. She had called in as a guest. Mm-hmm. And she had an um, a organization called Say Something. Mm-hmm. It was in support of anybody that had been molested or raped or sexually abused um, to open your mouth and say something. Because living with that type of trauma mm-hmm. crippled you mm-hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, emotionally, romantically. It will mm-hmm. cripple your being. And many of us try to live through it and try to mm-hmm. deal with it. But what we fail to realize, all of our decisions are based on that moment in our time. Mm-hmm. Some of us stay stuck in that moment. Some of us pull out of that moment, but still have the remnants and the debris of that trauma. Mm-hmm. It then turns into almost a shame. As mm-hmm. black men, or I'll speak about mine, and I'll let Curtis uh, share his perspective. Shame crippled me. Well, I, so mm-hmm. that story, that young lady been on the show. First time I ever had spoken it out loud. First time mm-hmm. I ever shared any piece of it, I was more comfortable talking about the trauma from having a great grandmother die in my arms mm-hmm. than I was about some man touching me, another mm-hmm. man peer pressuring me uh, into having sex. And those were two mm-hmm. separate in- instances and situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, this conversation today. Um, mm-hmm. is about the shame attached to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my situation, because of my age, I, in both situations, mm-hmm. I felt a sense of shame because mm-hmm. I, in my mind, 
if somebody found out, they would automatically say it was something that I wanted to happen based mm-hmm. on what they perceived my my sexual orientation to be. Mm-hmm. Not because I was a child and both mm-hmm. of these adults were wrong mm-hmm. um, or they were out of line or they did an illegal act. But mm-hmm. because, like they say, women, if you did not have that mini skirt on, it wouldn't have happened to you. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to me being 30 years old, sitting on a couch, letting someone mm-hmm. shrink my mind. I let a female, a black female, conscious woman tell me that I had a mark on me, a scar on or something mm-hmm. of a scar that alerted these individuals that I was open, mm-hmm. comfortable with this behavior. Those weren't her exact words. Wow. Those were the words that I had. She did say I was marked. As if these men could see something on me physically that said, oh, okay, that, that's a green light. Mm. My 30s after that, up until maybe two years ago, I was so angry at so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. I began to treat people how I felt in that moment back then as a teenager Mm -hmm. and then again Mm -hmm. on that couch it had nothing to do with me feeling victimized it had everything to do with me feeling so much shame being Mm. so embarrassed by this happening to me i never once felt like i made it happen or i willed it to happen everything around me said Mm -hmm. that that's why it happened Mm -hmm. Uh, and then for it to happen the second time in terms of me now being pressured to have sex with a woman, uh, another teenage woman, uh, me and her were teenagers, our supervisor was a grown man, uh, mm-hmm. and me feeling pressured to have sex with her at an age where I wasn't comfortable having sex mm-hmm. uh, at that point, uh, me feeling it happening to me all over again in mm-hmm. a different circumstance, in a different situation. So that was kind of my perspective in this happening and me watching other people kind of go through the same thing and, and mm-hmm. watching all these court cases now pop up in the Me Too moment mm-hmm. and, and all these different individuals. We'll get on the specific stories that we wanted to talk about after this, but I wanted us to mm-hmm. kind of share our personal perspective, however you feel comfortable, whatever you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with, um, on these issues, either it being personal or just an observation. So I'm going to let Curtis now take the floor and to express himself. Okay. Um, Shane, there's a power that comes in people being able to project shame on a, on a person. Right. Um, right. It's a very nasty, dark type of what I would call sorcery, you know. Um, shame, un- un- unfortunately, people who have been through many of these traumatic situations, um, regardless of age, gender, whatever, um, they don't feel comfortable coming forward because of shame. So what happens is people who need to be 
uh, outed are allowed to continue their predatory behavior. Yep. Um, that's a very, very dark. Hold on, you got to excuse me one second. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very dark energy to have over someone. Uh, give me one second. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely shame as it pertains to uh, how we communicate. The, the shame, I'll say the shame that we often felt based on what our our trauma was mm-hmm. is one big animal on its own. But then mm-hmm. we attach what other people have to say, or whatever people think. That right. shame then magnifies itself a million, billion percent as I right. Go ahead. Yeah, it what it leads to is um the victim often finding themselves living in a mental prison, um, mm-hmm. even a physical prison, because right. the body isn't gonna go beyond where the mind is capable of taking it. Mm. So it finds you know the soul of that person that's carrying that that shame, that weight of shame Mm -hmm. is often unbearable um, and can take them into places that are very uh, unhealthy. They're very, um, it could lead to various illnesses in the body, in the, in of the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a beautiful situation at all and i personally have uh relatives loved ones friends who have been uh victims of some very sick people um and and many of them to this day are opioid addicts and uh they, they turn to other things, you know. Uh, some of them went through phases of promiscuity and yeah. uh, trying, as they would say, looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, and I grieve for them. I grieve for them. Um, shame is a part of the reason that many people are bullied into... Uh, partaking of things that they otherwise wouldn't. Uh, The fear of ridicule, the fear of judgment, Mm -hmm. um, the fear of exile, even. Those things are very real. And in our community, I've heard far too many stories of uh, predators being protected, should I say. Uh, wow. Mm. I've heard many stories of it um, from places where, that I wouldn't believe where and many times it being a woman involved. This is very significant because right now one of the biggest things going on in the news dealing with this Jeffrey Epstein situation right? which was as we know was a child trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um 
a woman, as we see, was a focal piece in drawing in many of the victims. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Um, and it's not to bash women, but what I'm saying is we can't, I don't want people to, to just think that this is a, a problem of male aggression. Mm. You, can, uh, look, you don't have to look far in the news to find a story of 20-something-year-old, 30-, 40-year-old female teacher letting high school students, you know, <laughs> okay, I don't need to say, So it, it happens. And one of the things uh, that happens even in those situations is that a young man, if he were to come forward and speak about being assaulted, especially in a in a in a heterosexual circumstance, you just all kinds of bitch ass nigga. I'm yes. I'm sorry if I wasn't. Am I allowed to speak like no, that? No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, okay, go ahead. yeah, yeah. I mean, they you you're guaranteed to get your probably get your ass whipped. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, why you fucking that up for everybody? Like, yeah. you know, because some people are socialized into being okay with being abused. They can't even yeah, recognize. Or, and I know this may be a stretch, but we see that now. Uh, uh, and I brought up uh, Jada only to bring up August in terms of look how look how men are treating him. Mm-hmm. He's expressing a relationship that did not work out where he was being, he was made to be a secret. Mm. And that wasn't comfortable to him. And he brought it to the, mm. but look at all the, he broke the, he broke the side nigga treaty. Mm. And it's just, we, it's, it's hard. Like at moments, I wish I could just cry it out and went mm-hmm. back in those years where it was really affecting me. Mm-hmm. It's not in my nature to cry. So in, in many of those moments, I wish, cause it just felt like that would have been a release that was necessary, but it just would not happen. And it was attached to, you don't talk about it. If something like that happens, and, and, and it's been said, it's been said. Uh, and, and I wanna kind of move us into that space of some of the stories, but a lot of the videos that myself and Curtis have been watching, uh, that I shared with Curtis, and Curtis oh, yeah. probably found some of his own, a lot of the conversation that I heard was, Man, if a dude played with my booty, I ain't saying nothing. Mm-hmm. 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 If, if 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 my teacher wanted to have sex with me, man, but I look like telling him. Mm-hmm. Just that idea, but not realizing mm-hmm. because you were introduced in that way. Look at your mm-hmm. behavior thereafter. It has not mm-hmm. been healthy. It is not mm-hmm. healthy to have sex with fifty and sixty women. Trying to mm-hmm. scratch an itch that ain't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't a side nigga. Jada Wiggle were separated. No, it was the perception. It was. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with what he actually was. Uh, thanks for that comment. But it was more so the perception of it. Mm-hmm. You feel most comfortable in a situation where they're getting what they can get. A nut is sufficient. Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff, and I, I don't feel it. Weird, especially when we talk about specifically what we're aiming at today is when you've been touched as a black male, 
Mm-hmm. Any, any background with that with that shame attached to that makes you mm-hmm. go out and then how do you live your life mm-hmm. based on that shame that you have? Mm-hmm. So yeah. bringing in some of those video clips, we specifically were watching video clips around uh, Ron Savage, uh, mm-hmm. the gentleman who accused a- African Bambada of molesting him, and many have come out. And mm-hmm. not necessarily in support of him, but to say yes, this he African Bambada does these things. None mm-hmm. of them ever really defended him, but just mm-hmm. defended the fact that what he said was true, but not him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how did you, in watching those various clips, uh, what what did you take from his story? Um. One of the things I took from his story, because I didn't just check out his story, I also checked out Hassan Campbell, uh-huh. um, who's, who is well-recognized as a thorough official street dude, uh-huh. you know, uh, who talked about, first of all, how people reacted to them coming forward with this information. And before we came on here, uh, before we went live, I was watching a clip about KRS-One defending Africa Bambada. And in that clip, he was saying that certain leaders have to be untouchable. And I had to, I had to say, oh, what mm-hmm. kind of, hold up. I had to make sure I heard yeah. that. Correct. And this is yeah. KRS-One, someone we have right. also put on a pedestal. Right. And that's why it's time to kick all of these pedestals down. And it's time for the self-actualized individual to actually come forth. And all of us, we, you know, because we as individuals know ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we need to stop thinking that um, these idols that we set up necessarily have our best interests in, at heart just because they drop some science on us from time to time thank you i'll take that but um this what you're talking about here is some bullshit sir because but it's beyond it's beyond that he yeah in he, so many words he said yeah this this happened or this could have happened or we heard this happen but see we can't dismantle the image of hip, he was so focused on the the longevity or the legacy of uh, a music form. Right. And masking that with we can't lose this black instrument. Right. Because somebody says he's touched a couple of people. Mm. And you know why? Because his economics are inextricably tied to the success of Amp and Bambada's brand. So but say that. Say that. Yeah, say that. He should say that. Or he should have said nothing. Absolutely. Because I'd rather you say nothing than act like the shit is okay. But I'm now more comfortable with That's people crazy. saying these things because now I see you. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. many bull, how many young men have you touched? Or mm. how many times have you been touched? Mm. Mm. You know, and, and it, it 
it it goes even though he had a son who committed suicide. I don't know what the uh story is around that, but I mean if he was around a bunch of that, who knows? Well, we hear these things from young women all the time where there are several sisters or several women mm-hmm. in a family line that's been mm-hmm. touched by this same person and that person mm-hmm. is still around and nobody is bringing any light to the situation. I can admit, I have a cousin in my family who has touched several women in our family. Mm-hmm. Still invited to family reunion. And I'm not saying excommunicate, but something needs to be done, whether it's a sit down. And it's one of the things that made me so hard hearted towards men because nobody did anything. I have an aunt that turns into a little girl every time he, she sees him. Mm. Watch her and her life has not been of any type of great story. Mm. outside of her becoming a mother I think that's probably the most profound thing that has happened to her but even in that happening and I don't mean to put her out there I'm not going to say her name but even how she mothered her children she was willing to die do time kill in protection of her children because she never felt that level of protection and we're Mm. telling our young black men deal with it Mm. Mm. oh you 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 know you was gay anyway, so you might as well just, mm. just you know it, it happens. He's he saw your mark. Mm. Maybe if you had hidden your mark a little bit better, they wouldn't have mm-hmm. found you out. The shame and blame. Yeah, you and know. you have to you have and I'm noticing black men commit suicide. Black men have very unhealthy lives. Black men are so disconnected from a, a reality at times mm-hmm. and both of us have experienced that we know others who have experienced that but we are told to just chill out and every mm-hmm. single time there's a male issue on the table and I'm, and it sounds hard to me it sounds so hard hearted mm-hmm. we, we intercept that we intercept intercept that I'm sorry with mm-hmm. a woman's issue. Right. I want Bri- I want these men to die for what they did to Breonna Taylor. But mm-hmm. I want them to die for what they did to all these black people that we've witnessed on film and off camera mm-hmm. die at the hands of mm-hmm. a police officer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we have these hashtags mm-hmm. where, oh yeah, well, y'all out there killing each other. Y'all ain't shit anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Well, you raising us to not be shit. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm, even once we came up with shame for today's conversation, mm-hmm. so much anger, I felt so much anger start to kind of like not even come out of me, but just be reimagined. Mm-hmm. Anger that I felt because I'm watching other young black men be told, oh man, don't, why are you talking about that shit? Right. Why are you, right. Are you right. That up? right, right, um, man, I, I, one of the uh, conversations you and I had uh, recently, uh, you know, leading up to this show when we were brainstorming mm-hmm. was about success 
and psychologically and, you know, physically abused and uh, sexually abused uh, stars, yeah. particularly, uh, you know, how does that tie, would they have been as driven necessarily had they not experienced certain things in their lives and so on? And uh, a couple of the names we brought up, just just to just to put a, a few names out there of very recent high level situations. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hernandez, uh former New England Patriots okay. athlete. Yeah. Um and R. Kelly. R. Kelly. Okay. These young when you look into their backgrounds, they had a lot of trauma. Yes. A lot of trauma, but they are high performing, highly successful individuals who were at the top of their game with all of this stuff they've been carrying. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we're sure that Michael Jackson, you know, we could go down the list uh, of people who. But in particular, uh, those are two very recent cases uh, that have made headlines and been had documentaries and short films done on them and all kinds of stuff. Almost as if people are, and they're not even really coming up with a cure for this. This They're using it almost like as a, 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 a psyop in one instance to... Uh, mm desensitize people to to it. This, this is just how I feel. And in another uh, instance, you know, it's a lot of twisted things, undertones that's right. happening. But the cure for you this, know. the cure, I, I've written the, the idea of there being a cure for this mm. will never really be, and I, I don't want to say never, it is hard for people to address because then I have to say, you know what? I knew such and such touched him, and I didn't do anything about it. Or mm. uh, I touched him. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then that starts another, because we brought up the fact, what was Bambada's story? What, mm-hmm. what happened to him to get him to this point? Was it just re- repressed homosexuality that just... Mm-hmm manifested itself into I'm going to touch anybody that mm. that I deem less powerful because mm. African Bambada was a celebrity. People right. forget about him now. We so detached from his his mark on or his, his support of the origins of hip hop but mm-hmm. he was a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And just like R. Kelly he was shielded and he's still, this man is still living today. Still mm-hmm. being shielded, and because mm-hmm. it was a little boy, nobody is going to do anything to him. Mm. Nobody has done. Right. I thought there was no statute of limitation for sexual abuse on uh, uh, child predators. I'm learning that in right. New York there was one. So because he's resided in New York, that's what has saved him. That's deep. That's and deep. It's, and we're not realizing that because many of us are detached from, you know, I didn't grow up with African Bambada being somebody that was a part of my, you know, hip hop knowledge. That wasn't something I was taught. 
until I was mm -hmm. older. Mm -hmm. uh, he was shielded. Right. But again, I have to say, what's his story? Mm. Like, killing off all these people that's doing this and not right. Not to say that that's, that's any reason for him to do it, but right. We need to we need to dig into the background because often we only attack the symptom, right? Yes. Yes. We, and we're never getting to the root, right? You know, we're never chopping the tree down at the root. So the root of this is, I can't I can't say for for him, but um, the root of this. I'll, I'll say one of one of the driving the, the strongest driving forces outside of you know the desire for food and water next is the orgasm okay mm. um it's it's like eating to live especially if you haven't had a lot of damaging experiences in it it's you know the dopamine rush of of the orgasm is a very powerful and even if you have it's still powerful yeah yeah it's it's something that has um it that is severely underestimated and yeah. people who, who have not gained this this is going to tie into uh uh some of the philosophies that i actually uh research just like in in, in the kabbalah they teach that you have an animal soul and you have a higher soul i briefly spoke on this before so mm -hmm. that orgasm is tied to physical reality is tied to the body and the body consciousness right okay right. it's just like food and water literally it's that strong outside if you really think about it the animal you if you reduce man to an animal what else are you eat sleep shit piss sex mm -hmm. for procreation but right. because man has that higher self he can choose to indulge in that beyond uh, just procreation. It can become a pleasure principle, you yeah. know, um, and a force that actually interacts with the soul of a person. So uh, meaning their mind, their will, their emotions, those intangible things that we know are very real. You know, we can't see them. You can't see the mind, the emotions, but you... You know it's real if you have one. <laughs> you feel it every day. Um, and those are part of the things that steer your carriage, so to speak. Um, your mind, your will, and emotions. When your body, soul has been affected. So your intangible you and your tangible you are constantly interacting. They're inseparable. Right, right. You know, and um, so people who haven't, worked on that animal soul oftentimes or when their animal soul has been opened up too early without understanding mm. have a recipe for possible disaster or even the infliction the in perpetuation of cycles you know that's that that's where the that's a part of where these things that's that's the answer you know cabalistically where i would i would go with it is dealing with the animal soul and people having to really understand like dude you have an animal you 
that's yeah. totally sensory perception and has its own consciousness. Like you and I in the pre-show, like we always have good conversations leading up to the show. Mm-hmm. So um, we were talking about how men have erections throughout the day without thinking about sex. Mm-hmm. So how it's possible for a man to be physically raped and produce a child. You see what I'm saying? A man could be sleep with a with a heart on. So if you're a strong drinker, um, it doesn't exhibit, uh, it doesn't exclude your penis from getting hard mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. can happen in your sleep. You know, we have uh-huh. wet dreams and sleep, and you know all kinds of things. So for people to say that's not that you can't be blacked out and taken advantage of, and this and that and the other, and all kinds of things, it's not true. It'll feel just like. A, like a wet dream, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't know the difference because you don't. Well, I can only speak for males, and well, for me, in a wet dream, I don't know the difference between what's real and what's not until I come out of it. I don't and know, but see those things. I I I'm I'm in a even while we're talking right now, so many thoughts are coming to my mind because. We still don't, all of these things are known to be true. All of these things are known facts. But at the end of the day, if someone violates you in that manner, the onus is still on you to deal with it. Not even to tell Mm -hmm. your truth, not even to Mm -hmm. speak up, but clearly to just deal with it. Right. And we, we, we spoke a little bit about that happening to adult men or men in general mm-hmm. being um, uh, forced into sexual situations, and the first thing that comes up is, "Man, how you? If you if your thing get hard, like you wanted it, right, right." But we know on the other side of it, women have known to have orgasms during a rape situation. Yes. So. Mm-hmm sexuality well not sexuality the act of sex mm-hmm. or the feelings or emotions or all those mm-hmm. physical scientific things that go on with the body during sex does not cut off mm-hmm. because my mind is in a frantic state absolutely you know a woman can because a woman is being penetrated mm-hmm. it's, it's really the orgasm may possibly happen mm-hmm. just like in a situation with a man that may be induced or in out of mm-hmm. a drug state mm-hmm. it's possible to still apply friction or touch mm-hmm. to that that male mm-hmm. part and it still get hard if it's working properly it can still get to that point and what happens what happens when that happens mm-hmm. you know is he supposed right. to just not say anything or continue to go mm-hmm. on what effects does that have on him if he does not mm-hmm. say anything mm-hmm. and, and, and in this whole conversation there's not a denial or dismissal towards what's happening to women but I am mm-hmm. personally saying to you mm-hmm. men are affected by these things as well and mm-hmm. not only affected but mm-hmm. most times women are afraid of what could come from it, whether mm-hmm. some, whether she loses a job or she loses 
relationships or friendships or whatever, but men have just as much to lose. Oh yeah, definitely. Because now I have a reputation that's separate from this illegal act that has just happened to me. Mm. I can't even address that because when I go to the mm. police department, they're going to laugh. When I go to the lawyer's <sighs> office, they're going to laugh secretly. Mm-hmm. When I go to family and friends, they're going to laugh. So I can't mm-hmm. even express myself. It's not even that whether people believe me because the belief is there. But that gets attached to now what my perceived sexual orientation is. Not that wow. this person just violated me. Mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. brought up uh, Terry Crews. And because mm-hmm. of his reaction to what happened to him, oh, he all type of cool now. Mm-hmm. Anything that he says mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. is he a coon? Oh, that that dude a coon. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just don't. I I just want to know how we going a little bit back to the clips that we were watching, and I don't want to make this about Ron Savage because I really I had the opportunity to have a, a brief conversation with him and just discover mm-hmm. some things and learn some things that uh, aren't being really said right now, but. Just the idea of how you heard other black men speaking about this black man and the other black men that you learned about that were also a part of the same um, mm-hmm. kind of sexual acts from African Bambada. But how did mm-hmm. you how, how did you compute what these men or these interviews that you heard? What did you feel about the interview process in general? Um, I felt some of the uh some of the people who were asking questions mm-hmm. were not. I felt like at times they were trying to clown. Yeah, you know, they trying to start clown. The that way. Yeah, like they were trying to clown as if this shouldn't be taken as seriously as a Bill Cosby accusation, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know, R. Kelly or. R. Kelly or anything else. Just like, oh man, you're supposed to eat that and swallow that. And it, it's so ridiculous to even think that in some cases. People, you know, like, oh yeah, well, why would you go back if you were this? But when you hear these young men talk about something, it's, it's situations like, all right, there's psychological terms, right? Mm-hmm. For when people have been kidnapped or been through certain traumatic experiences and eventually you can break them or have them in such a state where they begin to empathize or whatever with their abuser. So they don't even, you know, go forward uh, and leave when they, when, when, when they're set free. You know what I'm saying? They'll go out of a situation and come right back into it. So uh, I don't like that that's constantly brought up as a way to discredit. You know, sometimes a person, a homeless person will tolerate a lot of things that if, if they value having shelter at a certain level for a night or so, Mm-hmm. They'll tolerate a lot of things that 
some of us who are, are uh, have been fortunate enough to not be in those situations probably wouldn't tolerate. So a person who probably hasn't been through these situations to them, it's like ridiculous. Like, well, you went back a second time. You must have liked it. Or, you know, this is, man, I wouldn't have went back there a second time. Yeah. How'd you find yourself back there a second time? You So you went back again after, you know. Or the same thing that they say to women when they the person who they married to is raping them. Mm-hmm. How could you stay in something like that? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I ask people who have never been in those types of situations, just don't have the interview. I know mm-hmm. you need the likes and you're trying to get mm-hmm. your YouTube page popping, mm-hmm. but you are doing more damage. I watched, it felt like to me, he was in an orgy. Mm. Done all over again. Mm. And some of those interviews where it was like three and four different people sitting down, rotating in the mm-hmm. chairs, rotating the mics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It felt like he was in, and, and I don't, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm only speaking based mm-hmm. on what I actually physically spoke to him about. Mm-hmm. Because it was at the very beginning of when he first came out and I asked him, how are you going to handle the interviews that you get? Because this person in my mind was back to being 14 and 15 mentally. Mm. And I we watched all these interviews that has just happened over mm-hmm. the last couple of years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. happen. And it felt like he was in an orgy. Mm. And I, I know that's kind of graphic to kind of put it in that space. But that's what it sounded like to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. They were all started off like, around. well, I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I believe you. But what I'm saying is, you know, it, it looks like, you know, people saying that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you was already kind of sweet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how the hell do you say something like this to somebody who is outwardly showing you the signs of trauma? You know. One one of the interviews that I watched was of the guy Hassan Campbell. He was saying that, um, mm-hmm. and he has, I believe, three or four children. Right. He was saying that it's been situations where he was with his woman, and like the thought of that time. man and what happened to him goes through his mind, and he go, and then his, you know, his it's a mood killer for him. And his woman trying to understand, you know, what's mm. going on? You know what I'm saying? Then he was like, it's not so easy to just tell people that you've been violated that way, especially being a male. He was like, so, you know, and and he was saying like, he, you know, he, he definitely, he was saying as far as he's, you know, you can't say somebody was willing that almost into, like, you can't control what this grown ass man is, you know what I'm saying? And really, Don't... people really feel like, and I, I, I shudder to even say it only because it was said to me directly from a clinical therapist. People feel like these people have a mark mm. that they asked for this, that this was a part of mm. their maturity into homosexuality. Mm. had to ask for this and then on the flip side of it if it was a woman doing this to him man that's how you get it that's how you learn what you learn that's how you learn mm-hmm. how you will learn your stroke game if you don't get an older woman to teach you a little mm-hmm. bit 
We just went mm-hmm. through this with uh, little Boosie. Okay. Telling us how he got prostitutes for his sons and his nephews mm. when they reached a certain age. Mm. And we have normalized this behavior in mm. black men. And I had I, I had an interesting conversation with a young lady, Tracy Jiggets, after mm. our initial interview. And I brought mm-hmm. that up to her that um, I just, many men are walking out here mm-hmm. big, loving families not feeling protected. It's mm. not feeling protected. Yeah. I yeah. can't come to my family. I can't go to my friends. And mm-hmm. who can I go to to sell these things to mm-hmm. to kind of release Without being first, I got to deal with my sexuality before I can, before they'll even talk to me about what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just a horrible. Like, why would the question in the interview ever be, would you consider yourself to be a homosexual male? What the fuck does that have to do with what happened? Out of all the interviews I've ever seen with Ron Savage, there was only one woman that ever intercepted, 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 why I keep saying intercepted, intercepted any of those interviews. And out of all those interviews, she was the only one that ever asked him, has he gotten any help? Mm. And that was one of the last interviews that I saw but I, I'm quite sure he's had interviews since then. He's conducted interviews. He does a lot of work within this field now. So I don't know currently where he is. I haven't spoken to him. And it's, I think it's been almost two years since mm-hmm. I spoke to him personally. But mm-hmm. even with that being said, mm-hmm. all of those interviews I've watched, all of those conscious thinking people, mm-hmm. nobody has ever asked him, to my knowledge, from what I've seen, has he gotten any help? It took that one mm-hmm. black woman who also experienced that type of uh, trauma to mm-hmm. ask him. And she kept saying, I don't, I don't care what you, what's going on. All that stuff is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Are you good? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, she had her own agenda but I'm sitting down, and some of these men that were interviewing him were 40, 50, 60 year old men. Yeah. Yeah. No better. Right. Never right. once asked this man, what type of help are you getting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of them was just, they just wanted to angle the story on African Bambada. Right. Because they were clout chasing. Mm-hmm. They were using someone else's pain to get numbers and views. Yeah. And that's disgusting. And this, to me, this conversation seems so outdated. And I'm only looking back at how long I've had to deal with it. But it feels so outdated. But this stuff is still happening. Mm-hmm. It's still mm-hmm. happening. And it's so unbalanced. Because I, I don't want to... You know, a lot of women are now coming out there tired of being blamed for everything. But mm-hmm. every time, most women, there's a there's an association or organization or a group 
or a, a place for them to go, mm-hmm. a safe space. Mm-hmm. There's a safe space for this type of um, behavior when it happens to someone to prevent mm-hmm. subsequent uh, events to help them kind of dumb themselves down or clear their body from any any harmful acts that they've consistently done to kind of numb the pain, uh, mm-hmm. to kind of wrap around services. Often men only get that when they're in prison. Mm. Or when they're so far gone in any given life circumstance that mm-hmm. help is the only answer. Mm-hmm. And in even most of those cases, I've done it. I've seen it happen. We still push those people away. Right. We still push them away. And a part of that, the reason we push them away is because of the uh, the perceived threat of male strength to overpower, yeah. penetrate, you know, all of these terms. And that's what, to me, uh, often, you know, that's probably why people think a man can't be raped, you know, stuff like that. Man, that? Because the perceived idea of male strength, you know, um, when there mm-hmm. are varying degrees of male strength, like just because, like I, I at a given point in my life, I had to make a. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna share this. I had to make a conscious decision in my mid to late 20s to decide to gain uh, quality instruction and combat skills, okay? Okay. Um, And I knew upon entering the gym that, okay, it's some people out here that walk around every day that if you aren't equipped to deal with them on a certain level um, with with quality skill, um, you're, you're going to have some serious problems. So mm-hmm. people look at males getting bullied, males getting certain things. Like they, the spectrum of male size, you can have males that's five four, five five, then some that are six seven, two hundred eighty pounds. Like it's not just a blanket male strength calculator, you know. Right. Uh, be it physical or mental, you know, there is no there's there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum. So being that I always use my hands for art, I had to will myself into years of training. Uh, one, to even be okay hurting a person physically because that was not my natural. I was always athletic, but my my instinct was never kill, kill, kill. Like, oh, I'm in a situation. If If I see, if I felt like, you had enough. I let you get up and walk away. I've, I'm, I've never been the kind of person that stomp a dude's head out. Mm-hmm. See, that's something. You know, you have some people who are psychopaths, sociopaths. Uh, yeah. You know, you have the spectrum of people out here, and same comes with people in sexuality. You have spectrums. You have spectrums, and the mental makeup of people is different. So there's no blanket male strength, mentally or physically. Um, Part of it is nature. Part of it is nurture. You know, as psychology would would say, you got nature and nurture. I had to nurture my my 
my temper and my technique to be okay hurting someone. You know, and how how so, is that? But in terms of this your environment, how much a part of that was based on your environment? Well, I was raised in a, a two-parent household, Christian household, in church three days a week, choir rehearsal on Saturday in church Sunday. So, you know, um, I had a very sheltered life growing up. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was in my, my, my early teens, I already had a direction for my life on where I was going to go with things, which is going to tie into my own experience of uh, sexual assault that I can speak on as a teenager, not by males, but by females when I was in high school. So I went to, uh, you know, being raised the way I was raised, there was certain things that were instilled in my mind. One, I had four sisters, no brothers. So I had a father who taught me, you know, treat women how you want your sisters to be treated. And my ideas of the character of women were the women who I grew up in church around, as far as what I knew then as a child, you know, the women of the church. So when I went to, you know, you grow up in the hood, but I'm rarely around. And when I am around, I'm practicing music. That's my environment. I'm in my art. I'm in my, you know, the church. I'm in this and that and the other. I get to Douglas High School. And then it's like, oh, I'm around young women. You know, young women, young women who are menstruating, you know, they're feeling themselves, they're, you know, as breast as butt, even though they're, we, they, we would call them girls, they're young women. Okay, let's not get it twisted. If they can get pregnant at 15, 16, 17, you know, mm-hmm. they're young women. Okay. And some of them have dealt with trauma that allowed them to have uh, a certain level of sexual heightened awareness that I, as a young 15 year old male, what didn't quite have yet, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I was raised, you know, you, you, you're going to be a virgin until you're married. You know, that's the ideal. You know, I was a hardcore fundamentalist Christian young man. and so when, um, you know, I go to Douglas High School in the 90s, I was there when we still had the high rises downtown, you know, the projects that were like towers. Yeah, you know, all of that. Um, and there were students that were from the projects all over <laughs> some of the worst neighborhoods. You know, it was a lot of hood gangs, whatever, you know, groups there. And my second year there, um, I was in a practice room. Uh, We had these practice rooms where there were pianos in every room, you know, and um, we call them studios or whatever. And it would be like three rooms and then like a hallway that would lead to a main room. And it was many of these on a certain wing of school. So my homeroom teacher um, at this time, you know, tapes and CDs were still around. So um, he had actually shout out to my home teacher. If he ever watches the show, his name was Troy Burton. He was the person. Troy that, yes. Troy Burton was my homeroom teacher. Yeah. And he uh, he would let me uh, listen to music in his classroom and so on and so forth. After hours, you know, this is after school. So 
he had an awesome CD collection. I would listen to CDs and, you know, put some songs that I liked on cassette tape so I could go home and practice to them. So one particular day, I'm just sitting there by myself. And this young lady, I remember her name. I never said it. She was actually a, a grade under me. So I was like in the 10th grade at this time. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in there. I'm listening to the music. And out of nowhere, just someone sucking on my ears. I turn around and this this young lady and she's, you know, developed and this and that and the other. But I'm just a young virgin Christian boy, Bible in the book bag. You know, my environment didn't prepare me for that experience, you know, uh, actually being bullied and pressured right there on the spot into a sexual encounter. So I'm thinking like, you know, I I was totally shocked because coming from the background that I come from, I never thought a woman would even do something Mm -hmm. like that. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm not even thinking about something like that ever happening uh, to me. You know, at this point, I'm already, you know, six feet tall and, you know, developing young man so after the first time that happened maybe like two weeks later you know i was thinking you know all right i'm going back down here you know because i'm trying to you know get this knowledge get the music you know Mm -hmm. burning some music she catches me again in the same place that people be like well why would you go there again like what kind of dumbass think i didn't think it was going to happen again you know often that's what some of the young men would say happens. You know, you know, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. All right, all right, cool, cool. Well, it happens again. And what happened out of that situation, when she knew that she couldn't really just break me that way, it turned into a bullying situation where when she would see me, her and some of her crew from the projects would like, she had that lady around. You remember on uh what was the show? Steve Harvey show, I think it was, with a lady mm-hmm. around, be on there. She had that energy. You know, she didn't, she wasn't built like that, but she definitely had that. And she was just a hood ratchet girl that was just determined to like, I mean, she would catch me in the hallway, like, I'm gonna fuck you. I'm gonna, you know, oh. taunting me, like her and her friends, you know, it she started to get her friends in them because she could tell, like, oh yeah, he's probably a virgin. I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna like so adamant about it like that i had to start ducking her you know i had to start ducking her because i didn't want to deal with the harassment okay later that year um i went to a a athletic game at western high school i have a sister who was a year younger than me and uh she was like a popular athlete there and some of her friends from the volleyball team saw me watching the basketball game. We're like, Hey, why don't you come on down and uh, work out with us? We had the, you know, the weight room or whatever. So at Western, it was like, you know, you had the gymnasium and there was some steps that went, you, you know, you go down the steps, there's a door and then you could go down another set of steps and it'll take you into like the locker room slash weight room area. So I went down, you know, I was invited. I'm about 16 at this time. I was invited. I go down, you know, we're working out or whatever. It started out that way. It was just me and these three. And um, 
you know, everything seemed cool. And then eventually, you know, the conversation switches, you know, you know, it's giggles and this and that and the other. And then it's like, yo, all right, you know what you down here for. They was like, pull it out. And I'm like, really? Like, they like, yo, pull it out. I mean, start walking up, grabbing me. You know, they were like, yo, like, look, you're going to do all three of us. And they were like, if you don't, we'll say that you tried to rape us. Wow. So this is a real life. So when I started seeing all the hashtag me too stuff coming out and how men were men who like Terry Crews, who would speak on situations were being shamed. Those were things that I carried with me for years that I never told anybody. I probably told one of my, girlfriends or what you know ever you never even shared it with your sisters uh i did share it with with my younger sister who was a part and she dealt with it in her own way you know Mm -hmm. needless to say but yeah and it's something that they admitted happened you know um to her because she wanted to know like yo like that think about how cruddy that is to be in a compromising situation where you're sexually assaulted and because of the perceived idea of male strength, three women are able to threaten you with the, with implanted in your head that if you don't comply, we'll tell the police and the police are sitting up at the top of the steps as they were at all athletic events, mm-hmm. you know? So I had to take a chance and gamble and run out of there. That was a, situation when I say my heart beating like because I couldn't believe that I was going through situations like that and I'm not like no I don't think I'm special (laughs) or anything but I think the idea that a male won't tell the idea that um which in many cases is true because of this whole shame element a lot of people, you know what a lot of people would say, like I have said it to some some of my male friends and that they never said anything one way or the other. But, you know, on some old ignorant hood shit, people would probably be like, three? You could have done all three the first time? I had never even seen a kitty before in my life live at that point. You know what I'm saying? Being honest. So my life, my whole life was church. You know, right. my whole life was my craft. You know, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't even mentally ready to take on a relationship, you know? So, um, those, those things are things I have two sons now. Those are the kinds of things that I had to share with my sons at a young, at the point that they're aware at all of their bodies that like, listen, don't. You you know, and that would be the happen. last thing. That would be the last thing that you thought you would have had to protect your son from. Absolutely, because I would even in my own mind the, the perceived idea of of male strength was that a woman wouldn't even dare try to do something like that with me. Mm-hmm. And I can even think of other instances, you know, in hindsight where a teacher, a female teacher probably hugged me. I'm talking about in my high school years, 
mm-hmm. in little strange ways because it's not like they're that much older than us unless they you know 50s, 60s, but you know, you have school teachers that are old enough to be Early your 20s. sometimes. Yeah. You know? So um I know of situations where <laughs> things have happened in high school, you know, sexual relationships between staff and students. Yeah. You know, so in in a lot of the conversation, it when you hear about it happening, it's such a shock. Like the young lady who just, I think she recently passed away at like 50, I believe, who got the, who got pregnant by the young, I think he was Hispanic young man. Oh, she passed away. Oh, wow. And she just recently passed away. And this bringing that story back up again, when we hear about these things, unless you have personally uh, dealt with it, it's mm-hmm. funny to you because you're like, man, like. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when she came home from jail, they continued their relationship. Eventually, got mm-hmm. married. Eventually, had another child. Mm-hmm. And you know that man's probably like thirty some years old now. Mm-hmm. And you know it's normal in his mind. Mm-hmm. Wow! Because wow. this has been his life. People probably have said to him, "This was wrong." And but how do you say that to the father of the child? Mm-hmm. Mm. You have to somehow somehow normalize that behavior and move forward with it. And I'm not saying he's probably crazy right now. He's probably, you know, he's brainwashed. I'm wondering what what, I'm wondering what the condition of the children are. How much they know? Yeah, how much do they? They look. I think they're probably teenagers now. Wow. It gotta be like teenagers by now, if not like already. How do you raise like, like how would that be being raised knowing that your mom was a pedophile? Yeah, and you were, and he has two girls. He has two girls. Mm. So and that's weird because what if they sheltered them this whole time, and now right. they're like, well, like dad, why is why is mom's death such a big thing? Like she wasn't a celebrity or anything. Why is this such a big thing? Man. Woo. And then you have to explain that to them. And now they are, especially the the first child, like, how do you explain that to the first child? The second child, mm-hmm. like, y'all were married at that point, but mm-hmm. that first child, like, mm-hmm. and that then that, that normalizes the behavior. So that's the her says, well, I can have sex right now. Right. What? My mother did, or right. what my father did, right? And that, and we we have those situations where we know that that young girl that had a drug dealer boyfriend that was way older than she was, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she was underage, and mm-hmm. nobody said anything. That mm-hmm. was that's what happened in the eighties. That was the eighties thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of trickled over to the nineties. Now mm-hmm. she ain't even dating him. She dating his father now. Mm. You know, and it's it's just I, I'm uncomfortable across the board whether there's mm-hmm. a male or female involved. But when there's a male child involved, and we are children until 18 legally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, I think I shared with you one of the interviews with a very ignorant black man who was saying, "Well, my child right now, he's saying age, and he he know the difference." 
Mm-hmm. So that's probably because you had to deal with this. And mm-hmm. you, showed, you showed your child what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Ronald Savage's situation, his mother slept with one of his friends as a teenager. Mm. So you're not going to go to her for safety. Right. You know, you can't go to these these group of Zulu Nation individuals because mm-hmm. they're participating in it or they just mm-hmm. staying mute. And that's, and that's ridiculous that KRS-One even parted his lips to say, well, when those things are doing, going on, you deal with those things in-house and da-da-da. How? Look, right, because first of all, that brother talked about death threats and everything. It's people who will kill man. Why do you think Elijah Muhammad, right? Case in point. Mm-hmm. The fruit is there. Those children live. That man definitely had relations with underage girls. Yes, he did a great thing with the Nation of Islam. Good. The Catholic Church really does great things, but really what does great? that have to do with it? <laughs> but was that really great? Because you created this, this blanket of silence to ban mm-hmm. the enemy. So was that, mm-hmm. I don't care I, if, if, if it ended up good, if it wasn't started with the right principles, that right. means that those people have the people who actually killed Malcolm. Right. Well, the same people right. protecting it. Right. That's not healthy. Right. And that's what's scary. Zulu Nation is the same way. You you get bodied. So all of that, why ain't they come forward and tell and this and that? You know, the internet has definitely changed the game. Because yep. yep. you can speak on it without having to wait for the post. Because, you know, back in the day, as soon as you put the heat on the person, next thing you know, you're getting a warning like, yo, don't come outside. We catch you. Police came to so-and-so house. We waiting, you know. But that's my fear with the internet, though, because kind of the same thing is happening. Because now we're still doing everything in-house. If it's public, Mm -hmm. to me, that's still in-house. We're not handling anything. Uh, there, there are tons of clips online where um, young people are confronting a, a family member that had molested them, and it's normally like at a family function or a funeral, and mm. that person is like they got the phone wow. pointed on, you know, like angled at both of them, and the person you can tell the person like, oh, uh, why are we talking about this right now? Like, right, right. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Right, but the person is sharing their experience, and mm. then normally around other people that are instigating the the violence part of it. And I say, mm-hmm. if you kill the person, if you beat the person up, even if you put the person in jail for a million years, that doesn't help the person who went through. It. That right. person is still reliving that moment. If that person doesn't find the strength, the knowledge, the guidance to get through that moment, mm-hmm. they'll always be at that moment. Mm. Oh, and I, and I say, I, when I say my aunt, I, I think it happened to her like preteen. Mm-hmm. Whenever she is around this man, like her emote, you can feel her becoming that little girl again. Mm. You can physically see it happening, mm. and I've and I've have felt so guarded around her in that moment, but nobody says anything, including myself. Somebody who has gone through it. 
still we and then i don't know what it is and it's no fear in this person this person puts no oh. fear in us but it's a uh, that confrontation like what then happens what do you uh, then uh, say uh, i remember uh, starting the family group on facebook and we all were like posting whatever it was somebody's birthday or old pictures and this person came in and started posting this off the wall stuff and my reaction because i started the group was this to shut it down uh -huh. now i didn't take that and i wish in that moment because i was grown in that moment to address the situation because it wasn't nothing but family in the room uh -huh. to address the situation or try to make amends to it but my first reaction like most people shut it down that's clear uh -huh. all the sound we ain't dealing with this uh, and we know it's other people at least one other person in the family but in in us knowing this and us acknowledging this it is uncomfortable it is very much so uncomfortable to deal with i understand that from the outside in and from the inside out it's un a uh, uncomfortable situation uh -huh. but something has to now happen we have to gain that strength to say something, to do something. Uh -huh. Because a lot of these men who I know that I've come across, we dying, dying. Uh -huh. I'm luckily, luckily, I've had the arts, you've had the arts as a filter, uh -huh. but that didn't take away the sting of some of this stuff happening. Uh -huh. It uh -huh. just gave us a vehicle to be able to kind of guide us through life and deal with it where it did mm -hmm. not haunt us mm -hmm. but what about the men who haven't tapped into that or who haven't right. gotten that or the men who are in that and it still didn't help them mm -hmm. i think you and i in some in some way wanted to get through that those experiences mm -hmm. but some mm -hmm. people don't know that they haven't even made that decision it's just i'm gonna mm -hmm. i'm gonna I'm a eat or i'm a i'm a over exercise or i'm a you know, I'm going to just run through. Uh, I'm going to run through how many people I can in the moment. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a, you know, I, you know, whatever the outlets right. are. I'm going to have babies all in every area code or right. and right. not be in any of their lives. And yeah, it's affecting our everyday lives. And mm -hmm. again, like you said, we are attacking the outcome uh -huh. you know the absenteeness the neglect the abuse the serial dating the the mental uh -huh. break we are attacking that all we see is r kelly peeing on a young girl uh -huh. we don't know how he got to that point but that's all we can see in our mind uh -huh. but we all saw that video and continued on life. That was like what in the early 2000s, late 90s when we saw that. Yeah, it that had video. to be like in the 2000s. Yeah, and we yeah nothing up into him physically being put in jail. Nothing had changed for us. Mm -hmm. We still looked at him as Pied Piper, mm -hmm. and we let him go for 20 years plus, being the Pied Piper. And that's that's his career life. How yeah. many people saw this behavior when he was a teenager? Mm. He didn't just start this because he had money. Mm. He was able to to do it 
because he had money and get away with it on the level in which he was doing it because he uh -huh. had money. The money just created a, a barrier, a right. buffer. And that's another thing, buying silence, man. Like, yeah, they say money talks and bullshit walks. Mm -hmm. You know, money clearly was a factor in some of the parents' uh, decisions because the way some of the stuff comes together in that particular story is that mothers who clearly were R. Kelly fans brought their daughters around this man. You know, like, Fathers too, you know. It's and like, it, are we serious? Yeah. Like, let's let's how what's going on with the if money? I saw a clip today. Of they were looking for a young girl that had went missing. Her mom sold her for two hundred dollars to settle a drug debt. Mm. That little girl was sexually assaulted and murdered. And they showed the footage of the people le actually leave. She was like five years old. Wow. Five years old. So there are definitely some situations where unfit parents can profit from financial exchanges or other exchanges by letting someone take advantage of their child and they've done it, you know. It's, um, it's, it's out of it's out of pocket because in my mind, just in you telling your story, I am picturing where you would have been if one of those young ladies would have would have yelled rape. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Where where everything would have been. And we unfortunately be out of time right now. So we're gonna continue these conversations. Yeah. So please stay tuned, stay locked into the Artist Exchange Radio Show with me, Nate Kowser, and with Mr. Curtis Gorham as we, uh, did I say your last name right? Yeah, you, you, okay. that's fine. You say it like Gorham. That's, it's spelled that way. Go ahead. You good. But I'm, I'm in my mind, I, I got to get these things out before I <laughs> move on and do anything else. And uh -huh. I'm, I'm so appreciative to you, for you for coming and joining me as another Black man to be able to have these open and honest conversations. Um, and it's going to get a little bit stickier as we move forward because there's some things that I know is on my mind and that's on Curtis's mind. Uh, so with that being said, please, if you watch this, please share it out. Please share it to anybody that you think would benefit from the conversation or the interview. And if you want to join us eventually, I think we'll start letting another person, a third party in. Uh, but we want to get some things established first in our report mm -hmm. uh, and before we begin to open it up uh, because mm -hmm. it's just, you know, getting to know each other. Uh, so mm -hmm. this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, up next, we will have the Cocktail Social. So please stay tuned, stay locked in for that. Uh, this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BigSportsRadio.com.